Welcome to the Women in STEM podcast, your go-to destination for exhilarating journeys through the triumphs and challenges of extraordinary women, shaping the world in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. I am your host, Kelly, and together we will explore the stories of visionary tech CEOs, groundbreaking scientists, and insightful recruiters, and many more women. Making this podcast a dynamic showcase of global talent. Join me as we unravel the stories behind their success, offering a first-hand account of their experiences and invaluable advice at every stage of their remarkable career. Get ready for a thrilling exploration of innovation, resilience and empowerment as we amplify the voices of trailblazing individuals breaking barriers and building a future where brilliance knows no boundaries. This is the Women in STEM podcast, where inspiration and knowledge collide to propel us forward towards limitless possibilities. Hi, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yes, absolutely. Hello. So my name is STEM Babe online and I'm a content creator behind the page STEM Babe. Um, I basically focus on sharing career opportunities um, for people to level up in their career, look at, you know, high salaries, breaking down salaries, as well as provide career advice, um, especially within the field of technology for people who want to break into tech. Um, in my professional life, I am a cybersecurity specialist. Um, so yeah, those are my two things, content creation online and cybersecurity specialist in real life. And by content creation, where exactly like can people find you? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and TikTok. Those are my two main pages, but I am also growing on LinkedIn as well. Um, on LinkedIn, I'll probably be doing more conversational posts um, that people can read and go into a bit more depth about the conversations that I may share on TikTok and Instagram. Yes, she has great content and I'll make sure to link your information in the bio. Great. So what is like general advice that you can give to people who are aspiring to build a career in technology? Like where, where can they start? Right. That's a very interesting um, question because I feel like when people say break into tech, um, they refer to tech as an industry rather than a skill set. So I want to reframe people's way of thinking um, and identify what technical skills would they like to develop and then look for opportunities that align with that. Because I think when, you know, you say they want you want to get into tech, it's like sort of saying you want to specialize in medicine, but within medicine you have, you know, heart surgeon, neurosurgeon, brain surgeon. Um, and sometimes that can be a bit overwhelming. So I think it's good to see tech as a skill set that you apply to an industry, identify potential skill sets that you'd like to develop and then work from there and find jobs that align with the skill set that you want to develop. So that's like my general sort of theme when I talk about breaking into tech. Um, the second thing I'd like to say is find networks, right, within your organization and outside of your organization. So within your organization, especially if you work for a large corporate organization, they probably have groups um, and societies that you can join where they have, you know, page, um, spaces, 
um, safe spaces for people to come together who come from the field of technology within the company. Um, and I say this because you can then connect with people in your immediate sort of circle, your immediate corporate life, who can give you insights and, you know, conversations around, you know, the different types of technologies they use, how they use technology and the different technical roles within the organization. Um, and also just help you be better informed about how technology is being used within your industry. Um, the second thing I would say is networking outside of your organization. So find groups and communities again that align with you know technology so for women there's code first girls for black women there's coding black females um but you know for you know black individuals in general there's black young professionals and when you go to these events you get exposed to people who work in different you know who have different types of skill sets who use those different skill sets in different industries and you can have conversations with them to find out more about tech and the roles that they do, et cetera. And you find out a bit more insider information about how to break into tech, their journey into tech, um, and sort of, you know, their experience of working within the tech space. From that, what I would also do is um, research into potential job opportunities and tech roles that are out there, um, just to give you a bit more direction potentially as to what area of technology you'd like to go into um that will give you some sort of a direction it's not necessarily a goal but if you say you know what i really want to become a data analyst um you do research into data the tool sets the programs available that help guide your direction in line with that and also when you're networking and connecting with people you can ask hey does anyone here work for data um, like, can you tell me a little bit more, et cetera? Um, so that's networking. And then the second thing is opportunity, right? Um, try and expose yourself to as many opportunities you can and identify different routes into technology, right? So that can be a, a coding bootcamp, which is what I did. That could be um, a master's degree in a specific technology. Um, and, you know, the government have a lot of initiatives um, where there's basically scholarships being given out to people who want to pursue higher education within, you know, tech. Um, also, again, within your organization, they might have opportunities for you to have, you know, training or gain a certification um, in line with the technology of interest that you want to get into. Again, when I talked about the networking, you might be able to network with people within your organization who use technical skill sets or use tech within their role to ask potentially for shadowing experience or work experience where you can basically, you know, shadow them, follow them and see really like what is the tech about that they're using. Um, so that's boot camps, um, using training budgets or certifications, potentially doing a master's doing a secondment and also online courses as well that you can do in your own time. I think when it comes to breaking into tech, um, you should try and diversify um, the routes and the paths that you use to try and bake, break into tech and try multiple different routes, but also try and identify what kind of a learner you are. Um, because if you're someone that likes pressure, if you're someone that, you know, you need a deadline and you need projects and stuff, potentially a master's might be best suited for you. If you're someone where you prefer that self-paced learning, you know, you prefer doing things in your own time, then potentially an online course, which is self-taught, might be best for you. If you're someone that prefers to be hands-on, et cetera, then maybe a coding bootcamp um, where they have workshops might be for you and an apprenticeship or, you know, a secondment as well. So there's different routes into tech, explore those different routes 
um, be open to all of them, identify what kind of learner you are. So you ensure that the route that you take um, is the most effective in ensuring you get into technology, as well as networking within your organization and outside of your organization. And most importantly, people need to give themselves time. You need to give yourself time when it comes to getting into tech because people come at tech like you're winning the lottery or something. My journey took a year and a half. Um, so people need to give their journey into tech a bit of grace um, and understand that it's a process. It's not something that may necessarily happen overnight unless, you know, you're fortunate to get on a program that has like a guaranteed interview and then, you know, placement afterwards. Then, yes, maybe in that case. But I think when you're breaking into tech, there's so much you need to take into account. Even what I've said has taken me ages to describe. So you need to give yourself grace and give yourself time and be committed and determined um, to getting your first role or landing your first role within tech. I think that's a great answer and you've definitely hit all the main points. Tech is such a massive industry that I think a lot of people just think that, you know, it's a one size fits all when there's so many different roles in tech and so many new roles that are also being developed. And I noticed on your um, social media page that you mentioned that you're a cybersecurity influencer. So I was wondering mm -hmm. if you could speak on a bit of your insight on the current state of cybersecurity as mm -hmm. well as how does it refer back into tech as well as people who might be interested specifically in cybersecurity. Yeah, so um, I can't obviously get into the details of what I do in my role. However, I can give you somewhat of a general summary of, you know, what's actually going out there and what's out in public. So essentially, cybersecurity, it's it's an industry that's growing. It's going to continue to grow. Um, the attacks that are being performed are becoming now more sophisticated. They're becoming more intelligent. They're evolving. They're creating. And that's what makes cybersecurity one of the most interesting spaces to be in. It's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue evolving. And the threats that we're going to see are going to be new and very interesting. Um, I think as well, like I said, if any, if you take anything from me in this conversation is that tech is a skill set that you apply to an industry. So when we say cybersecurity, I don't like to think of it as an industry. I like to think of it as skill set. I like to think of it as a mindset that you apply to an industry to help protect their assets and their information and their data. So when it comes to cybersecurity, every single organization needs cybersecurity protections. Um, and for someone like me, I studied chemistry at university and a lot of people are like, what does chemistry have anything to do with cybersecurity? Well, in March, there's actually an event being hosted by, you know, a chemical company, a STEM company called Renewable UK, and they are looking at how cybersecurity threats are basically, um, basically posing a threat on the renewable energy sector so regardless of you know the industry that you're in the types of attacks that can be performed um in the cybersecurity space can impact many different industries right so when you think about cybersecurity research into sort of the top 10 attacks that are happening and then understand that those top 10 attacks are probably happening across multiple industries right and um like I said, um, it's it's growing, it's evolving, they're becoming more sophisticated, and it's going to impact every single industry. I like to say that, you know, cybersecurity 
is like the new way of attack, right? People used to physically attack. I mean, they still do now, of course, but now they can launch sophisticated attacks from the comfort of their room and have immense impact on the infrastructure that's critical to, you, you know, the UK, for example, you know, in the cybersecurity space, it's very, very much um, impacted by, as well as technology evolving as well, um, it's actually very much impacted by what goes on in the geopolitical space. So whenever you hear anything on the news that's, you know, of geopolitical interest, you know, you know, there might be, you know, um, issues, geopolitical tensions between China and Russia. I mean, China and the US, for example, let's say, um, expect there to be an increase in cyber attacks when stuff like that is announced and when those things are happening, um, because cyber attacks are now sort of complementing um, physical attacks, but also um, response in response to stuff that's going on in the geopolitical space. Um, so if you're very much interested in geopolitics and, you know, stuff that's going on in the world politically, then cybersecurity is probably an industry that you'd really love to go into. If you're also interested in, um, you know, having a skill set that you can essentially apply to any industry, um, cybersecurity is definitely one of those because every single organization needs to have their, you know, systems protected and customer data protected because if it goes wrong, it could lead to things like data breaches. It can lead to things like people not being able to access stuff. It can lead to things like, you know, work colleagues not being able to access their work laptops because a hacker has infiltrated their um, work's, you know, internal systems. Um, so yeah, cybersecurity is a very exciting place to be in. Um, definitely an area one should look to get into. And it's very much influenced um, by what's going on in the world of politics, in the news. Um, and it's, you know, it's really good to keep up to date with that and try and see if you can research into, okay, when this, if there's an announcement that's made on the news and the government in the UK, can you find any information about whether is there an increase in cyber attacks, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, cybersecurity is, yeah, so it's it's a great place to be getting into, and I'm I'm not I'm not being biased. I, it is it really is. Yeah, cybersecurity is extremely impactful, and actually, this weekend I finally watched the Die Hard trilogy, and okay. um, Die Hard is a, is a like um, it's an action movie, and it's set in the early two thousands, and it was funny how. Um, the main character was kind of reacting to cybersecurity then and how the whole world was coming to an end because of a cybersecurity threat. And mm -hmm. I think um, Hollywood has definitely done a number on kind of its own interpretation of cybersecurity, mm -hmm. which can either put people really interested into it or put mm -hmm. them off because they feel like it's some sort of really mm -hmm. outlandish thing that you have to be super technical and super smart in order for you to get into it. Yeah, there's different roles within cybersecurity. Um, again, you know, the whole breaking into tech, right? So yeah. you've got tech and then under tech sits cybersecurity and then under cybersecurity, there's different branches that sit within within that. I don't know about all of them because, you know, I'm a niche, I spe um, I'm a specialist in a niche aspect of cybersecurity. But again, if you're interested in cybersecurity, at least you've, you've sort of, 
reduced the pool of options that are there from going to tech to cybersecurity, um, it might be then worth, you know, looking and researching into the different roles uh, that sit within there and that might be of interest and then potentially aligning your um, training in line with that, starting off with the basics and then building up from there. But yeah. Um, switching gears, since we're talking about Hollywood and film and TV, you recently made your debut on Channel 4 talking yes. about food price inflations. How <laughs> does this topic of um, food price inflations kind of intersect with technology and how can technology either help or hinder this? Do you know what? That's interesting because so how I got approached for the opportunity to begin with it wasn't actually from like a a tech perspective should I say they just sort of wanted personalities um people from the general public to um obviously um be involved with talking about cost of inflation however with that being said um there is obviously um technology that's involved in the retail space um retail tech I'd like to call it where essentially they're using information especially if you are using apps like you know club card points or whatever app the retailer might use if you're using those apps they're able to collect more data about you and specifically cater offers and you know deals in line with your shopping interests and they're obviously able to get information about where you shop when you shop how much you spend on what items in what times of the year do you spend on this this that this that so Yes, you know, as part of it, I was just reviewing it as a customer, but from a tech perspective, um, in the retail industry, they they need technology, they need data to basically customize offers that align with their customers' shopping behavior to encourage them obviously to spend in that company or that retailer, the supermarket essentially, and keep them shopping with them essentially. So um, they can obviously manipulate the prices in line with what's in demand and, um, you know, what they know will entice their customers to buy, et cetera. So although I went on there for like fun purposes, it was interesting because I know that, you know, they're obviously when you use these systems and stuff, they're collecting data. They've got so much information. They probably got a profile of, you know, STEM babe. She is in her mid-20s. She likes to shop at Tesco's at 5 p.m. or at 12 p.m. because she goes to work. So therefore, we are going to try and create offers that align with meal deals or food that she likes to buy when she buys food for lunch during her work break, for example. So in the retail tech space, data is the new gold and obviously machine learning and AI will be used in line with that to optimize the offers that they show you as a, a consumer and a shopper. Definitely. Um, I think uh, food is something that we all can relate to. We all <laughs> eat food. We all have to go and buy food. And I recently went to a Google event, which was covering food tech, which is mm. actually an industry that we kind of don't really talk about that much. You know, I think a lot of people have probably heard of fintech, but food tech mm. is mm. an ever-growing industry. It covers all, you know, the Uber Eats, Deliveroo, all of these mm. companies. And like you said, data is super important. And as much as you would think that they would have a system in place that 
is able to gather all of our data and you know able to give you specific recommendations they actually haven't cracked that algorithm just yet so if you are somebody who loves food and you love tech going into food tech is definitely Mm -hmm. an upcoming industry and it's one that's going to continue to grow absolutely and that's why I've I'm going to continue to say it tech is a skill set that you apply to an industry I believe anyone from any background if they have an interest in technology whether that's data whether that's cyber whether that's machine learning or AI they can find ways that they can incorporate um, the skill set from their academic background if they've done a degree in that and align it with tech to see how it could be used to improve the industry in general so I like to say we're living in a in an era of where we're seeing the convergence of skills from different industries come together to create unique career opportunities and unique, um, you know, yeah, unique career opportunities, like you said, food tech, like I said, retail tech. Um, and yeah, yeah. Something that really caught my eye about your page and what kind of set you apart for me from all the other tech, um, you know, content creator was the fact that you spoke about the cost of living and rent prices in London. If you're somebody who hasn't checked out her pages and seen some of the content that she makes, some of it will make you want to laugh and cry at the same time. (laughs) And I was wondering, like, what advice do you have for people who are interested in moving to London? I feel like you've covered this topic quite a bit, but I was wondering if you could um, make a mention. Do you know what? I'm going to give a bit of background information as to why I even started sharing rental properties yeah. because people might be like, what's that got to do with tech? But really and truly, you know, as I said, I'm a careers content creator. And one aspect, massive aspect of your career is finding somewhere to live. So every single creator who has a job in London has to face the same issue of finding somewhere to live. So I was just making, um, highlighting the issue that everybody who's a career professional in London is facing, and that's the London um, rent crisis. Um, so with regards to the best advice, honestly, right now it's a complete shambles, but I would have a look out for schemes that are available. So there's one scheme called London Living Rent, and essentially um, they basically um, give you you know, subsidized rent in a certain sense for a set period of time um, for if you're a working professional in London um, and you're living in London, essentially. So potentially having a lookout for the London living rent scheme um, to see what properties are available that you could apply for um, that might be useful in helping you obtain like, you know, really nice apartments at a subsidized rent or, you know, lower than um, the market average. I would also say, please don't just feel like you have to give in to when, um, what you call it, estate agents and landlords pressure you to buy it because ultimately at the end of the day, they're salespeople. They need to make a sale. They're going to sell you the world. They're not going to tell you the ins and outs and the problems of what's renting in London. As long as you sign that contract, you pay that deposit, they've done their job. They don't care about... um, you know, what happens after that because you're now signed on to contracts and you're basically screwed. So when it comes to, to you know, finding rental properties in London, don't fall, don't feel pressured by sort of the sales pitch and the persuasion that estate agents and landlords do that you end up missing out 
and missing out researching on very important information um, because that's when you can sort of be trapped in dodgy contracts weird apartments and all sorts of random weird and random stuff I am starting to see a lot more professionals are living outside of London um, close to areas that have really good connectivity into the city so potentially if London is a bit pricey it might be worth looking for properties that are just outside of London but have really good connections um, to central London that can you can catch a train and in London you're like within 20 minutes so yeah look out for schemes that are available because there's a few out there um don't fall for the trap of the persuasion of these dodgy um slumlords and landlords and estate agents um and also be open to potentially moving outside of London especially if you're doing hybrid work and you're only in the office two days a week anyway um and try and look for somewhere that has really good connections into London where you can actually just get a train into London so that you don't have to deal with all the the literally the circus of events that come with trying to rent a property in London Yes, I myself live here in London, so I know the struggle is real and it's definitely something that, yeah, rental prices here in London can be super crazy. I would say if you have a friend that already lives in London to try to mm -hmm. ask them, you know, what methods did they use? And yeah, I think you gave really great tips and examples. Okay. You have a thriving social media and I know as a podcast creator myself that creating content does take time. And I was curious as to how you are able to manage your time and do you have any effective time management strategies that you utilize? <laughs> That's that, that for me is work in progress. I can't lie. I don't have an effective strategy for time management. I don't. I'd be lying if I said I do. I just kind of come up with ideas and I just create content, which is actually really bad and not sustainable in the long term because obviously, um, you know, as I grow, et cetera, and obviously trying to grow my career, um, then I need to find the balance between those two. Um, essentially, what I'm going to try and start doing in the new years, because, you know, new year, new me, what I'm going to try and start doing is actually planning dedicating each day to a specific topic in line with the content that cr I create. And then on the weekend, finding material that relates to that content or, you know, that, you know, that day, and then just creating it and then just deploying across the different various platforms. Because right now it's just vibes. If I see an opportunity, I'll just share. If I just salary this, I'll just share. Um, whereas I need to, I need to be more strategic in dedicating maybe Saturday. I plan out my content for the day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, salary, Tuesday, opportunity, Wednesday, I don't know, rent. And then on Saturday, finding opportunities, filming the content, saving it. Um, probably best to use CapCut because on CapCut you can um, download and then edit it if you need to and then repost. Um, so that's what I should be doing, but I'm not doing. It's just after work, okay, vibes, I want to create a video call, but it's not sustainable. Um, <clears throat> but how I repurpose content across my various platforms is now what I've started to do. I create a video on TikTok. TikTok lets you download videos before you post so if you're happy with your TikTok video and it's in drafts and you're waiting to post it, what I would recommend is downloading the video first and then you can repurpose that same video on Instagram. If you've already posted the video, 
you can go on SnapTik and download the video and then repurpose on Instagram. And there's levels to this now because obviously now I've got my LinkedIn page. I'm trying to create an automated system where, again, I'm using AI to basically use AI to create a written format of my video content um, so that I don't necessarily have to go in and write it out. So I'm trying to explore the automation of as soon as I create a video, will it, AI will read the transcript, <clears throat> then create a LinkedIn post in relation to what I've talked about in the video and then post it on LinkedIn. So that's something that I'm exploring to sort of automate the process of content creation, really. Yeah, automization is definitely the key um, when it comes to dealing with bulk amount of content and just trying to make it a lot more easier on yourself. I am referred to my podcast as the Women in STEM podcast and you refer to yourself as the STEM Bay. And I was wondering yeah. if you've noticed any particular challenges that mm. women in STEM face and if you have any ad specific advice for women. Interesting. Um, so with regards to um, <clears throat> content creation, um, I find that um, especially when I'm talking about salaries, um, I tend to get a lot of males um, that don't necessarily give the best response. They tend to come on a, no one's earning that kind of money. Why are you sharing this information? The information you're sharing is correct. Whereas I get better responses and reception from women. So whenever I talk about money, especially high paying industries, um, the reception I get from men can be quite challenging um and they can often try and question um your information and you know the source of where you're sharing stuff um which is what I find but I tend to find women are very receptive to to it they are inspired for it and they like to take action um when I started off my tech journey um bearing in mind um I believe now I don't know what the stats are it's either 0.7 percent or two percent of the population in the UK in the tech in the tech industry are black women <clears throat> so when I started to break into um tech um I there wasn't any representation the only reason why I actually got into tech because there was a lady called Yasmin shout out to her she changed my life she shared the salary she earned in tech she shared her journey into tech and she shared the challenges within tech so I think um, one of the challenges when I started breaking in was that at that time she was only she was really only the only example that I could see in terms of representation wise of a black woman doing well and you know earning money within the tech space and I you know you can't really become what you don't see um but then obviously you know with the likes of coding black females and code first girls um you know they've created spaces for black women to um pursue careers within tech which is great with regards to my professional life um it's to be honest I'm not going to complain I'm very fortunate I've had a good um experience <clears throat> of breaking into tech um, but I've had I, I'm quite open minded anyway. So I recognize, yeah, well, I, there's not many of us. Um, there aren't going to be many of us. But, you know, I'm hoping that as we progress in society and we're seeing more, you know, black women in tech and women in tech share their journeys, you know, share their opportunities that they've had since working in tech, we can continue to inspire um, <clears throat> 
the younger generation, um, especially, you know, women um, to pursue careers within tech. So obviously, you know, professionally, you know, we are the minority, but I personally don't let that hinder me because I know, you know, it's, you know, my responsibility, my role um, to increase awareness of the industry, to increase opportunity, to share opportunity, to inspire and motivate women so that they consider pursuing a career within tech to begin with, um, because there isn't that representation there necessarily for them to aspire to be something um, that they may not necessarily see. So a lot of the, as of recent, the challenges that I have faced um, are mostly online, just because people are weirdos. And I think, um people can be quite sensitive when it comes to tech because they're like oh you work in tech you must have a lot of money and all that jazz um so yeah it's it's just people just having personalities on the internet um and just moving a bit weird when I talk about high salaries and tech or getting into tech and you know stuff like that I'll get people questioning me like oh do you really work in tech like how did you get into tech and all that jazz and I'm like whatever I don't care like yeah, social media is definitely a weird place, um, <laughs> especially, I mean, is this mainly with TikTok or Instagram? Because I think TikTok is more wild than Instagram, but maybe. Yeah, <laughs> to, be fair, um, to be fair, I try not to get too involved in the politics of people that might say, like, weird comments, because I'll just delete it. Like, I'm here, like, so whatever insecurities you may have and whatever experiences you may have, it's clearly different to what I'm having kind of thing, but it is somewhat spread ac across the two. I think maybe more so TikTok, um, but Instagram as well. I'm, I'm also seeing it LinkedIn, not so much because obviously on LinkedIn, it's a more mature crowd. They're grown. Um, there's a, you are exposed to a realm of pathways and careers and conversations and stories of people who broke into tech and how they broke into tech and the challenges and stuff. And that, that information isn't necessarily relayed onto these social media platforms, which are mostly, um, you know, populated by Gen Z's and millennials. Um, so a part of it is an educational piece trying to inform and encourage, you know, Gen Z's and millennials to even consider careers within these spaces and even introducing them to the concept of tech and working in, you know, cybersecurity or data. Um, but also I can get a lot of, not not a lot of but people just just being bad vibes essentially because maybe they you know unfortunately the reality is you know their tech journey they might be on their tech journey they haven't broken into tech and then I'm coming along say hey you can get into tech and they might feel some type of way about me sharing that um because they're still on that journey they found it difficult etc and then they might comment down below say some nasty comments or they themselves um, don't believe the salaries I'm sharing. They don't believe the information I'm sharing and they're skeptical because, you know, they haven't been exposed to that. But, you know, it is what it is. Like, I, I, I don't care because at the end of the day, the intention of why I create this content is to inspire, educate, inform people, in particular Black women. It's not only exclusively to them, but I'm a Black woman, so naturally that's who my audience will relate to. But... um. That's my intention, purpose, and, you know, reason why I do this is to inspire other people to consider careers within tech. The one or two comments about whatever, why why do women get these opportunities? Why is it women? Why is it not men? I don't care about that because I know that the impact that I should be having when I share these opportunities could hopefully change someone's life or, you know, help them elevate in their careers. 
Yes, definitely. And I, I find your content really inspiring and eye-opening. I, I love it when you share the salaries mm-hmm. and <laughs> all the different career opportunities. It's really inspiring. And I know you mentioned um, Yasmin as somebody mm-hmm. who kind of helped you to open your eyes and open the doors for you to like get into tech. Do you have mm-hmm. any advice for somebody who's maybe looking for like a mentor, how they could go about it? Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So oh, mentorship is interesting. So with regards to mentorship, again, the networking aspect. So networking within your organization and networking without your organization, right? You In your organization, you find people who are a part of groups, women in tech, women in data or technology in general, and you're proactive in those groups, right? And you find out what events are going on, you know, what like what's going on within that realm etc and then utilize the opportunity to be like hey you know I'm really interested in this is there anyone here or um that would would be interested in mentoring me to find out more about you know xyz career or to grow my career um I've done a, a, a sort of a video on this on my TikTok page, shameless plug. Um, the second one is, again, networking outside of your organizations, being part of communities and groups um, where you're exposed to people. You have a conversation with someone. They say, oh, I work in this world. They say, oh, that's really interesting. I'm really looking to get into that. Um, I've done some research in this, that and the other. Um, if you have capacity, um, would you consider potentially being my mentor in the space? So I think networks is so important when doing that um, because it helps you, you know, grow and peop- and the mentors can help give you advice or prevent you from making the same mistakes that you made um, to help elevate in your career. I would also say, again, LinkedIn, right? Um, find people in the roles and the jobs <clears throat> that it is that you want to get into. I think it's really important to have done some of your own research as well, like, don't just go in and message someone, hey, I want to get into tech. Can you be my mentor? Like, I can't really help you because <clears throat> tech is so broad. But if you come with your research and an agenda and, you know, kind of a structured goal, it's more, it makes the job of the mentor more easy. So if you say, hey, we work at the same company. Um, I really want to get get into data analytics. I've studied for xyz course i'm doing this course online i see you also work at the same company doing data analytics i would love to have a conversation with you etc 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 or you know what i'd love you know potentially if you have capacity for you to be my mentor as data is an area that i want to get into so when you are looking for mentors um try and do research about their mentor and say hey i saw you did this 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 and this this is something that i want to grow into you know, if you have capacity, I'd love to be, would you consider being my mentor? As I think you could really help me in my career progression. Those are some great tips. I would love to know, like, what are some recent innovations or trends with regards to the tech world that have caught your eye or like excited you? Oh, um, I think again, it's 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 ChatGPT. Um, I think ChatGPT, the te- OpenAI technology is fantastic. Like I said, with my um with my videos, I can put the transcript of my videos in ChatGPT and say, "Hey, ChatGPT, can you create a LinkedIn post along 
these lines, right? And it does it for me. And I can just simply, you can automate the whole system from end to end, automation and AI um, automate from end to end. As soon as I post a TikTok video, creates a transcript, that transcript is read by an AI script, that AI script, that AI technology will then create a LinkedIn post for me. And then I just go and read it, modify and edit it. And I just think it's amazing. Um, I've been researching into AI jobs and there's one job that I find fascinating, um, which is called prompt engineering. And so prompt engineering is where you basically try and optimize the answers that chat GPT gives you based on the answers, based on the way you question. Yeah, based on the way you question, essentially. So the answers you get from chat GPT really depend on somewhat the information you give it, but the way in which you ask chat GPT the question. So you can ask, give chat GPT the same information, but the output might be slightly different based on how you ask it. And there's actually roles called prompt engineering where people look into what are the best prompts to ensure the best output um, for, um, you know, the results you get from chat GPT. And it's going to be interesting, you know, when companies start incorporating this technology um, into their organizations, how it could be used um, for, you know, people wanting to ask questions or, you know, to find out more information about a company or organization and stuff. So as well as it being for personal use, that prompt engineering, I'm really excited about it to see how it will play out. From a cybersecurity perspective, um, <clears throat> there's uh, I'm interested but also scared <laughs> about the world the the world of deep fakes and biometric hacking, um, where essentially, you know, we're all on the internet, someone could go on your profile get all of the video footage of you and then create a deep fake of you saying complete and utter rubbish but you've your digital footprint has enabled someone to just create content of you um and do whatever they want um and biometric hacking as well where people you know how you know you call <clears throat> somewhere and they say hey do you want to use your voice to as a security protection? Well, there's now bio, I can't remember, it's biometric hacking, where now they can, and people can basically um, use your voice, manipulate your voice through AI and stuff to get your user credentials. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting AI, um, it's useful use cases, but also how it could also be used for things like deep fakes, biometric hacking, and you know the challenges that can come with that essentially <clears throat> yes those are all extremely trendy topics mm -hmm. and i definitely think that it's become even more interesting as it's become more accessible to the everyday person so it'll be interesting to see how people integrate all of these new technologies into our lives and how people are going to utilize them yeah, I think just to add as well, um, I saw something um, about um, AI influencers. So there's pages where these, these, these like social media pages, it looks like potentially the person's real, but they're not. They're literally created off AI and they're making millions. Well, they've got millions of followers and potentially are going to make millions from a, a, a person or a thing that doesn't exist. So it, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Definitely. 
Um, we're, we're coming to the end of this podcast episode. It's been extremely interesting and we've covered a range of topics, but most importantly, where can people find you? Um, I'm on TikTok, STEM underscore babe. I'm on Instagram, STEM underscore babe underscore and LinkedIn. Um, I think I'm like linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash STEM babe. Um, so you can find STEM babe on LinkedIn as well. Um, my Instagram and TikTok um, content, I'm just, it's just video content, really. My LinkedIn uh, page is really useful because a lot of the time I'll just literally repost um, information that I see on my page that's quite useful and that I just don't have the capacity or the time to make videos about. A lot of the opportunities that you see that I post, I actually get from LinkedIn just because my network are always sharing opportunities and they don't necessarily know how to best share that information with the Gen Z and millennial audience. So if you want to get the most opportunity um, or be exposed to as many opportunities as you can, follow me across all three platforms. Definitely do that, guys. Um, it's been great having you on. Uh, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode with me, your host, Kelly. I hope you've came away from this episode feeling inspired and gained so much more knowledge about women in STEM. Don't forget to check out all my other podcast episodes as they also have a wealth of knowledge on different topics. Please make sure to check out the description link for my social medias at Kelly underscore engineer on Instagram as well as there will be links for other podcasts, as well as links to the podcast guests' information. Thanks for listening.